I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Voice First Health. The future of health is voice. Hello, it's Terry Fisher here, and welcome to episode 15 of Voice First Health. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Dave Kemp. He is a leader in the intersection between voice-first technology and hearables. He is part of a company called Oak Tree Products, and they provide medical supplies to the hearing technology industry. But on top of that, he has a fascinating blog called futureear.co, where he is documenting the rapid technological breakthroughs that are occurring in the hearables niche. And, and this includes both, in particular, biometric sensors and voice assistants that are being incorporated into the hearable devices. Now, one of the things that we get into is the idea that in a voice-first world, in order for there to be a, an efficient exchange of information, a person involved in that communication exchange has to be able to hear. And that is a, a, a component, a, a part of the equation in a voice-first technology world that is often not thought of. And so we get into, into some discussion about that. We get into fascinating discussion about where this area is going in a, in a world where we are rapidly adopting voice technology. So let's get right into the interview here. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Dave Kemp to the Voice First Health podcast. All right, Dave. Well, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Terry. I really appreciate you bringing me on today. Awesome. Well, let's start off a little bit here by learning about your background and what you do. Sure. So, um, you know, my name is Dave Kemp. I um, work for a company, Oak Tree Products. We are a um, distributor of medical supplies and uh, devices to the hearing healthcare professional. Um, so I've kind of long been interested in uh, the tech industry for a while. Um, I was working in Chicago uh, for the past well, about five years, um, dating back to 2012 to about 2016, so about four, four years. And uh, I was selling business intelligence up there um, and then moved back to St. Louis, where I'm from, and um, started working at Oak Tree Products, where I'm at today. And it's just been really cool to kind of see the uh, intersection of, um, you know, accessibility, uh, you know, helping people to hear better. Um you know, hearing loss is such a prevalent thing in, in our country. It's kind of an unseen epidemic. Um, you know, people 75 years and older, I think it's two thirds of them have hearing loss. Um, and the market penetration rate for hearing aids is something around 20%. So not nearly enough people have them. And there's a number of different reasons why. But, um, you know, I, I kind of look at this whole space, voice technology and all this is just a huge value prop. Um, to, you know, a, a big value add to the value prop for uh, hearing devices. So that's sort of who I am. Um, I'm looking forward to chatting with you and kind of bringing this all full circle. Great. Now, you've also got another website called futureear.co. Yeah. What's that all about? All right, cool. So that's my blog. Um, it's it actually just turned one. Um, I just had my one-year anniversary of my blog. Uh but basically, that blog was designed, it says kind of the, 
the uh, headline on it says connecting the trends converging around the ear. And so, um, you know, what I noticed there, I don't call it notice or call it just observed um, over the past few years is that uh, technology is, you know, permeating just about everywhere in consumer technology. And uh, I saw there being a lot of new things that you would be able to do with Bluetooth connected audio devices. And, and really, as things evolve, um, I think that similar to, you know, our wearable devices, I think our in-the-ear devices will continue to become more and more computerized. They'll become kind of standalone computers in their own right. And so what that kind of entails is that there's all kinds of new features and functionality that you can use with those devices. And so that blog that I have, Future Ear, is designed to really just be a way to tell stories around, okay, so here are new um, sets of use cases, for example, that will be able to be supported by these in-the-ear devices, um, something such as smart assistant integration, and then going down that route and saying, okay, so, you know, as these devices become embedded with Alexa or Siri or OK Google, um, you know, that, that opens up a whole lot of new doors and trying to just kind of educate people around, okay, so for this use case, here are ways that it applies broadly to the general population and then here are ways that it would apply to maybe the hearing, uh, hearing aid demographic group. So that's kind of the, the whole idea behind the blog. Great, great. And so this is, as, as we chatted about just briefly before we started recording, like one of the things that I've been thinking about is we we hear a lot about the advances and the breakthroughs in technology with regards to the voice first world. So everything being voice controlled, a voice user interface, and so on. But something that um, maybe gets lost in that discussion a little bit is the fact that if you're going to have a voice first world, you, you're making the assumption that on the other end, the person can hear what is being said which is a critical component to this. And you are well-placed, I think, to sort of comment and look at that side of the voice-first slash hearing-first world. Can you comment on how that's going to move forward? Yeah, I think that's a really a good point that you made and something that um, I've thought a lot about as well. You know, you look at a lot of this data, and um, I know like Kathy Pearl, for example, has pointed this out a number of times, that one of the fastest-growing uh demographics for smart assistant usage is the older population, the older cohort. Um, and that makes so much sense because, you know, you think about the, the existing way in which they can uh, use a computer. Um, for the majority of us, that is your smartphone. Now, a smartphone might not be entirely conducive to someone that has poor dexterity, uh, poor vision. Maybe they're, you know, not very mobile. And so what for you and I is very easy to operate a smartphone and control sort of our, our computer environment or digital environment, um, it might be a challenge for them. And so when you have this new sort of user interface come along like uh, voice and, you know, it allows for them to just speak the commands, I think it makes it so that, you know, it's a whole lot more conducive to uh, maybe their living situation. Now, with that being said, though, you, you bring up a really good point. Um, kind of like I said earlier, you know, as people tend to get older, uh, hearing loss becomes more and more prevalent. It's a, um, it is a, uh, kind of a, a continuous disease that will, um, just continually get worse and worse and worse. And so, 
um, you know, you think about all of the different generations that have had loud music or they've been listening to earbuds and the like, you know, hearing loss is something that's pretty popular and a lot of people aren't really that aware of it. And so um, if you have this really nice new conducive user interface, but the uh, user can't really hear what Alexa is saying, so it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, right. You know, that presents a challenge in itself. And so I look at this as like, well, what if you just had, you know, you have the amplification coming from the hearing aid and then um, you port Alexa into the hearing aid. You know, you just basically it's like the movie Her. It's just living right there in the in your device. And so I think that is something that's really, really enticing because, you know, not only is it uh, something where it allows for them to hear all the time. But again, it goes to this whole accessibility thing. You know, if it's just kind of on your person all the time, um, I think it. I think it really, really empowers people. It allows for them to have complete control over their environment. They can hear, you know, what the assistant is saying into their ear. Um, so I look at that as, you know, you know, I, I wrote an article not that long ago um, where I said the unexpected power users of voice first, and really I was talking about. The older demographic. I think that they are poised to be the really the early adopters of this technology because it is that much more of a leap. Uh, even here in the primitive state that smart assistants are in, you know, in year call it year two or however many years you want to define this as, but um, you know, I think it's something where that demographic, so long as they can hear the assistant, it caters really, really nicely to them. That's really interesting. I haven't thought of it that way in terms of you know the the older population being the early adopters you don't i don't know if we've ever seen that before in the history of technology that the that the older population is leading the way uh that's a, that's a fascinating uh thought yeah and like that's the thing that's so fascinating about the data is it's not as if this is all based on a hunch you know you look at some of these different um you know reports that are coming out a lot of them you can find on uh, voice spot but you know, they, they all point to this fact that, um, just like you said, this is new. This is not something that's ever really happened before. You know, I looked at a, a chart that said, um, you know, seniors tend to adopt technology eventually, uh, but they tend to be laggards with the technology. With voice, the mainstream early adopters and the kind of the power users of the devices, it's, it's almost... I want to say it was something around a fourth of them are adults 55 and older. And so, you know, I, again, I think it just points to this fact that for you and I, um, the current user interface mobile is, is, is pretty much good enough. Like I can do 99% of the things better on my smartphone currently than I can on, uh, than, than I can with my Alexa device. That doesn't mean that there's not value with the Alexa device, but in terms of actual, um, you know, head-to-head -head comparisons of the jobs to be done of that smartphone, I think that a lot of it today, the friction hasn't been reduced enough on the smart assistant to where I can start to kind of migrate a lot of those functions over to my smart assistant. I think that will happen, no doubt. But I think that with the older demographic, um, the sort of the uh, – the, the playing field, the where they stand with the current user interface, it's not nearly as high as, say, you or I. Um, and so I think the level of sort of parity around making that switch, 
I think for a lot of these things, it's way easier for them to, to rely on their smart assistant. And, you know, what we see with this technology is that once you start to develop the habit, you start to kind of offload more and more things onto there. And so I find it just absolutely fascinating that, you know, it is one of those types of technologies that is kind of conducive to the whole age spectrum. And the two sides of the spectrum that really are adopting this um, are kids and older adults. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with I agree with everything you said there. It's really, it's really interesting uh, the demographics of this particular type of technology. Now, maybe maybe you can explain to us a little bit of of the things in your particular area and the niche that that really excite you going forward here. What are some of the the, the more uh, late breaking developments that are happening in the area of hearing uh, assistive devices and voice technology? So, what's really really cool is that. Um, January of 2017, right around CES, Amazon released their Amazon Mobile Accessory Kit, AMAC. And uh, I remember reading that, and basically it all, like to boil it down, it, it said, you, like, you'll be able to, um, you know, the bulk of the coding to in, integrate Alexa into kind of like a body-worn computer, whether that be like a, a mobile uh, wearable or a hearable. That's the kind of buzzword in my industry where it's this, you know, word that kind of defines a body-worn computer that you wear in the ear. Um, and so here we are today, and you have Qualcomm that has just announced um, more or less ways in which you can use their chips uh, using the AMAC protocol. Um for really any any OEM, you know, outside of Apple, because this is kind of geared more toward Android, Apple's going to do their own thing. But um, really, any OEM uh, can really pretty easily embed Alexa into their device. And so, what's exciting for me is, you know, I've been tracking a number of uh, sets of use cases that I find to be things that will be really valuable to um, specific to my you know, industry and the patient demographic. So really I'm kind of talking about adults, uh, the older adults, the aging population. That's kind of what I always harp on is, you know, we're all living older or we're all living longer. Um, and the baby boomers are all starting to kind of hit into that senior citizen age range. And so you have this massive population of people that are living a much higher quality of life than previous generations. They're living a lot longer and so it's kind of like begging the question, well, what, you know, okay, so what, what happens when you have, you know, this huge population of people that are suddenly in this position that really no generation in the past has? And so I look at things like, okay, uh, voice assistants, um, smart assistants, you know, they'll be able to rely on those to basically offload a lot of those day-to-day uh, -day computing tasks, things such as, you know, from a really sort of rudimentary level, uh, controlling your environment. So controlling your television, controlling your thermostat, controlling all the different appliances in your house, um, you know, that helps them to sort of age in place. You, you don't necessarily need to move into a retirement home if a lot of what that retirement home supplies you with is that empowerment. Um, if you can just do that through your smart assistants and through kind of a smart home, um, and then you look at it, you know, like, okay, so if you have this in the ear device uh, that can serve as a way that they can constantly be reminded of medications, you know, one of the big things that's coming about 
in uh, these devices is there's all kinds of new sensors that are being embedded into these devices, which I think has a lot of really interesting applications when you marry that up with voice. So for example, you have all these new biometric sensors that are being embedded to these devices. You have things like gyroscopes and accelerometers right now. So they can do things such as uh, track fitness, you know, kind of like a, a, an Apple Watch would. Um, but also, every 11 seconds in the U.S., uh, someone goes to the hospital for a fall-related injury. And uh, a lot of those people actually end up dying because they're not alert. The, the, no one is alerted to the fact that this person has just fallen. And so with these, you know, uh, having these types of biometric sensors in the ear device, you can actually now detect falls. You can detect falls because of the gyroscope that can uh, more or less tell your orientation. It can see if you've fallen down. It's not a perfect technology yet, but it's kind of maturing to that point. And so the next thing to come is going to be PPG sensors. So you'll be able to actually have ways in which your hearing aid, for example, would be able to identify uh, things like your blood pressure or your heart rate. Um, so, you know, I think that what's really interesting about this as the hearing aid or, you know, the hearable that, you know, this um, patient demographic is going to be wearing, uh, you think about, okay, so if it's a kind of data collector, um, you need something that can kind of assess that. And what better way to assess it than have your smart assistant assess it? So you have, you know, let's say you have Siri that's living in your hearing aid and it's kind of constantly monitoring all this data. And it says, okay, um, I'm like, hey, Siri, I'm not feeling that well. Uh, can you, you know, pass my data along to my doctor? Um, and, you know, the, the, there's been a number of new software development kits that Apple has created to kind of enable this so that you can, you know, in a HIPAA-compliant way, you would be able to share that data to your doctor and so I look at that as like, you know, we're really kind of getting to the point where I have, let's say I have my, my grandfather or something like that, that is, um, wearing this data collector. They're not feeling well, but they're not describing what's going on with them all that accurately or all that well. And mm -hmm. so I say, all right, well, why don't we just take the data? We'll send it to the doctor. The doctor would probably have a smart assistant on his end analyzing it and, you know, kind of summarizing, okay, so these are the things that we noticed that he's had a fever, you know, for three days, he's had a high blood pressure, um, whatever it might be. I just look at this as like a way in which we're recording a lot of new uh, vitals and stuff like that. And I see the smart assistant as mediating a lot of that data exchange, because I think it's one thing to just collect data. But I think if you're collecting it, and you have sort of a brain behind it that is assessing it and understanding what you're actually looking at that can be a really, really powerful thing, especially when we're talking about a age group that is uh, more prone to um, sicknesses and just uh, life-threatening type instances. So I think this kind of, it, it becomes a tool that becomes multifaceted that can be a preventative health tool on top of um, giving you a better quality of life by helping you to hear better. This truly sounds like science fiction stuff to me, and um, and it's not really science fiction anymore. I mean, we are going there, and it's it's really really exciting. Where we're going to be in the next couple of years is just just remarkable. Um, 
Wow, wow, it's really, really cool. How, how far do you think we are away from this sort of scenario that you're describing right now? 2018, we saw the, uh, we saw the first sensors start to go into hearing aids. Um, and I know that there is, there are, there's a supplier uh, to the OEMs in this industry that uh, is a biometric uh, sensor manufacturer. And they have already announced that they will have a commercially available PPG sensor which is the optical sensor that like a, an Apple watch uses to record your heart rate, um, that will be available in 2019. It will be commercially available so that these OEMs can begin to implement them into their devices. So on the front of being a data collector, it is fast underway. And I think that by 2020, we'll see just a multitude of new um, different things that you can record. I mean, we already saw with the Apple watch series four this year that they've put an EKG monitor into it. So Right. We have consumer technology that is now uh, more or less medical class one, class two, medical grade devices. Um, and I don't see that trend really slowing down. And then on the smart system front, you know, with all these new Qualcomm announcements, I've, I've kind of been saying 2018 was the year where all the infrastructure has been kind of laid. All the groundwork was laid in order to really in a big way have smart assistant integration in these in-the-ear devices. Mm -hmm. And that's looking very much like the case here as we kind of wrap up 2018. Um, and so I think 2019, we'll start to see a mass proliferation of that feature. And then I think come 2020, um, I think we're going to start to see some really interesting doors start to open up because, you know, it's kind of like what you're seeing with, um, with some of the different areas that Alexa is going into, like cars, for example. Uh, if you look back like a year ago, it was sort of like, uh, we're going to put Alexa in cars. And now it's like, we see it every single day, like someone like Houndify or Soundhound, they're putting, um, you know, their, their smart assistant in the actual, like they're working with the, the car manufacturers to make it part of the, like the, in the console of the device. And so right. these things there, it's not as if you're just like, adding a layer of this to it, you're actually making it part of the device in a, in a way. And I think that if you give these devices, I always think of them, as, it's like a brain. You're kind of ma making, you know, we say smart devices, the smart home. You know, when you add a brain to these things, I think that it's not as if it's just like voice enabled. I think you're, you're adding a, an element of AI that can make these things so much more sophisticated. And so just looking at the rate of progression, I think that all the things that I was describing with, you know, collecting data and sharing data and having the smart assistant mediate that exchange, I, I really see it as being something that's only a couple years down the, on the horizon. I think all the infrastructure has been built out. That's the big thing is that it would be one thing if there was, you know, a major milestone that had to be met in terms of uh, developing the infrastructure to enable all this. But that's sort of what's been happening over the past two years. And so... Just looking at the, the rate of progression of this, I'm confident to say that I think this is all going to be something that we'll see in the early 2020s, if not 2020 itself. That's really, really exciting. Really, really exciting. Well, maybe we'll ask you one more question here. What do you, what do you think is right now the, the big obstacle that has to overcome to really move this forward? Honestly, I think it's all privacy. I think privacy is such a big elephant in the room um, because here's the thing. you know, Going back to the first Alexa conference I went to, I went to... Uh, the Alexa conference in Chattanooga um, and Brian Romilly was speaking there and you know he's painting this picture of this kind of future where 
we have these contextual smart assistants. And by contextual, he's implying that these things learn from your contextual data. You're constantly supplying it with a feed of data that allows for it to kind of, uh, it's like it's like feeding itself, like it's like food that's nourishing it and getting it you know, more and more capable, more and more sophisticated. But the problem there is, and Brian has been pointing this out like a lot, is that that all contingents, that all hinges on this notion that you're comfortable sharing all that data. And as we see with like, you have Facebook now entering into this arena, Google has a ton of, you know, uh, security and privacy um, sort of question marks with it. Are people going to be comfortable with kind of allowing this thing to uh, nourish itself, to, to grow on all of your private data, on all of your personal data, um, if that company that sits behind the smart assistant is going to then just take all that data and sell it. And so, you know, I think Amazon's done a really good job of, of building its brand up and, uh, and being a trustworthy brand. Apple is, you know, I still believe Apple has a kind of an inside track in this race, even though Siri has been such a letdown over the past couple of years. I still think they have an inside track because they are such a security first type company. And I, I just, I really think that over the next couple of years, I think that this whole debate is going to become more and more prevalent where people are going to be asking, are the trade-offs worth it? You know, I, yeah, it would be great to have a smart assistant that can learn from me and know all of my behaviors and actually proactively prompt me based on previous data because it's learned so much about me. Um, yeah, that would be great, but it, you know, I'm not going to ever enable that if it means that all that data that I'm collecting is going to be shared. So, I think that's the big, big thing that needs to be sort of uh, everyone needs to come to kind of come come around and gather around and figure out, you know, okay, what what's allowed and what's not allowed in this because I think it's too open ended right now that people are exposed and. I just think that people don't care about security and privacy until they do. And if, if we're kind of, you know, heading down a path where suddenly people are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this thing knew that much information about me. How do I delete all this? Um, I could see that happening. And, and, and I just, I, I'm of the mind that there's so much more good that can come from this if it's done properly. Uh, so I just, I see that as being, um, something that will sort of differentiate companies when it comes to providing a smart assistant is, do I trust this company to allow for it to kind of harvest my data 24 seven? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, really well said. And I, and I think, you know, that's, that's the, the common theme here that keeps on coming up, right? The privacy, HIPAA compliance and so on. Um, Something's going to have to give there and it's going to have to go one way or the other in order for these technologies to really advance the way that we can see that they, they inevitably will. Um, the question is, how are people going to respond to them with regards to their privacy? So that's a, yeah, I, you know, I'm not surprised to hear you say that at all. I think I'm, I lied here. I'll finish up with one more question and, and, um, I'm just curious, what does, you know, in the, in the whole overall theme of voice first health, what does voice first health mean to you? Um, I see it as, you know, this is going to be, there's so many efficiencies to be had here. Um, you know, uh, when we, 
you know, when I met you at the um, Voice of Healthcare Summit, um, what kept going through my head was, you know, the most obvious area for improvement here is all the clerical work in the uh, in the actual medical setting. And, and, you know, from the administrative work to the way that doctors record notes, um, you know, all of the kind of grunt work, the, the things that you could kind of today almost start to offload, that just makes things so much more efficient. And so the way I look at this is like, if you start to really uh, capitalize on these new efficiencies and you make the whole medical system more efficient, you know, in the U.S., for example, I just see this allowing for a more efficient healthcare system, meaning healthcare doesn't cost as much. It's more accessible. You can have, you know, you can do a lot of things in a remote setting so that, you know, you cut down on a lot of things there. Um, so for me, what, you know, how this all applies to the medical profession is I see there being massive, massive efficiencies right away. Like that's the first thing that I see. And then beyond that, I really think that the smart assistant is like gonna, going to be your own personal nurse. Uh, and that's really exciting to me. And, and that's why I'm so fixated on, you know, like in my industry, what's exciting is we're sort of supplying a data collection device. And so I think that's a critical component to this ecosystem where, you know, I've, uh, I really kind of envision it as like Nurse Siri um, or Nurse Mayo Clinic, which is mediated by Nurse Siri. Um, but it's something where, you know, if you have, you have all this data that's being recorded all the time, biometric data, you, it, or you can, you can kind of track data through the inflection of your voice. You know, we've seen ways in which through biometrics, um, that they can actually just through audio and analyzation, uh, they'll be able to, to kind of understand the state of your well-being. You know, are you sick? <laughs> I know there was a patent that just came out from, from Amazon where, Alexa would be able to understand if you're sick based on the inflection of your voice and then it would prompt you to buy cough drops or something like that. And like that's where we are today in 2018 and like it's like it all goes back to that um, Jeff Bezos quote where in 2016 they were like you know they were asking all these questions about Alexa and and somehow it kind of came to the point of like where are we with this technology Uh, and he goes not only are we in the first inning we might even be at the first batter. And I think that's like, you know, okay, so here we are in 2018. So maybe we're still in the first inning. Who knows? But as this gets more and more mature and more sophisticated, I just see this as being like, at the end of the day, it is what the name implies. It is a assistant to you. And so in a voice first world, I just see this as being like, you'll be able to have your assistant, you know, from a medical standpoint, it will be proactively prompting you, hey, this looks off. We need to get you into a doctor. I'm going to send this data over, you know, to my counterpart uh, over at the doctor's office. Um, you know, I, it's just like I see so many different macro trends that are all kind of like converging at this point. You know, we've for the longest time we've had big data, big data, big data. But, you know, for a long time we haven't really been able to do a lot with that data. And now I see the smart assistant as like the mediator for all of that data. And so... If we move into a world where it's just super data-ridden and we have all these different things collecting data all the time, I see the smart assistant and just like the voice-first element of this being uh, kind of an abstraction of taking that data and, and actually making sense of it and, and um, you know, giving you actionable things to do with that data. Right, right. Well, well said. Um, 
fascinating, fascinating discussion here, Dave. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to uh, to chat with you. You uh, you really are on the cutting edge of what's going on with these uh, hearable devices. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for uh, for spending uh, some time with me and with listeners here uh, to chat. It's it's a real pleasure to chat with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, man. This is this has been awesome. Where can listeners go uh, and learn more about uh, you and what you're doing and follow along with uh, with your cutting edge um, <laughs> information that you have? Because tr- no, truly, it is you're you're a leader in what's going on in this area. So where where can the listeners go and and learn more about what you're doing? So a couple different places. Um, the most active place is Twitter. I'm very uh, uh, active on Twitter. Um, and so I would say follow me at Oaktree underscore Dave. Um, and then on my blog as well, futureear.co. Uh, those are two places where I'm kind of constantly pouring my thoughts into things. Um, but I would just say to anyone that's you know listening, hop on Twitter and start to follow Terry, Brian Romilly, Bradley Metrock, like all the Brett Kinsella, like all these different people that are – kind of pushing this conversation forward. Um, I mean, I just named it just a couple people off the top of my head. There's hundreds of people that are very active and the discussion there, it's, it's daily. Like there's constantly discussion going on and it's just fascinating stuff. You can get kind of sucked right into it. And, uh, there are just some really, really smart people that are working on this stuff from different directions. Um, and it's just, I think it's just fascinating to follow along. So that's that's my two cents there. Awesome. Well, well, thanks so much. I look forward to seeing you. I'm sure at a at a upcoming conference somewhere. Uh, I'm sure yeah. our paths will cross again. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks again, Dave. Um, real pleasure, and I look forward to, like I said, seeing you at some conference in the near future. Sounds good. Well, there you have it. Fascinating discussion. Dave is tackling that whole other side of the equation in the voice first world. If someone is speaking, whether that's a person or a voice assistant. The, the counterpart has to be able to hear that, again, whether that's the voice assistant or the person. And that's an area that we certainly should, be, should not be neglecting uh, as the voice-first technology continues to move forward. As usual, I will have the links that Dave mentioned on the show notes page, which can be accessed at voicefirsthealth.com slash 15 for the 15th episode. And again, if you haven't subscribed, please consider subscribing. Please consider leaving reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. It's very, very much appreciated. And I look forward to bringing you another great episode next week. Until then, take care and have a great day.